You're listening to another No Fair Remembering Stuff, the Tuesday edition of the Professional Left Podcast, and available wherever you get your podcasts, and at our website, prolevpod.com, where you can also contribute to this podcast. There is a Patreon button at our website, or you can mail us a letter and or contribution at The Professional Left Podcast, P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. And it's not safe for work. And today we're going to look back at what most of the country, especially most of the country under the age of 40, accepts as a normal national holiday, which up until 1983 was only celebrated without federal recognition. We are, of course, speaking of Christmas. We are, of course, not speaking of Christmas, Driftglass. We are speaking of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which since 1986 has been a federal holiday. Yeah with all the federal offices and post office closings that we all associate with American federal holidays. Yeah, but in that way, it is like Christmas because federal employees have a day off and post offices are closed, except like Martin Luther King Jr. Day, once upon a time, Blue Gal, Christmas was not a federal holiday. In fact, in 1659, a law called The penalty for keeping Christmas, if you can believe it, was enacted under the Puritans, who else, rule in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. And for the next 22 years, anyone found celebrating the holiday by failing to work, quote, feasting, or in any other way, unquote, would be fined. Yes, in 1659, Massachusetts Bay Colony Puritans, who had come to this country to escape religious tyranny in England, Used the power of the government to institute a little religious tyranny of their own. Because who doesn't love a little religious a little tyranny? tyranny? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're in charge. When you're in charge, tyranny is an altogether wonderful thing. This is from WBUR Public Radio in Boston. Quote, the Puritans were very concerned with a very scripturally based form of worship. There's not scriptural evidence for Jesus Christ's birth on December 25th. Christmas was added to Christ about 400 years after he was alive. The Reverend Increase Mather, hell of a name. They, they used to have names. I've read Increase Mather. I had to read Cotton Mather and Increase Mather in graduate school. Oh, they're very what? long-winded people. Yeah, what's what's what is it? Your dad says about Thomas Hardy. Oh, the good thing about graduating from college is you never have to read Thomas Hardy ever again. Yes, and and it's true. The thing that is the good thing about graduating from divinity school, you never have to read. Increase or Cotton Mather ever again, unless and, you well, want to. And, well, and he was the father of Cotton Mather, Increase and Cotton was. And uh, uh, Cotton Mather was the f- trial figurehead for Salem Witch Trials. Um, he was a leading proponent of the band. He believed celebrations were highly dishonorable and overly consumed with, quote, excess of wine in mad mirth, unquote, which, you know, in fairness, He also questioned whether the celebration would please Jesus Christ himself, unquote. Under pressure from England, the law was eventually repealed in 1681. Mm -hmm. But the 22-year ban had been enough to change the cultural norms for celebrating the holiday. And while it was no longer illegal to celebrate Christmas, most people continued to attend school and work on Christmas Day. Until it was made a federal holiday, 
by a proclamation by President Ulysses S. Grant nearly 200 year, years later on June 24, 1870. So way to go, Ulysses Grant. Uh, Thanksgiving is a federal holiday only because President Franklin Roosevelt wished it to be so. On December 26, 1941, you know, shortly after Pearl Harbor, he signed the resolution establishing the fourth Thursday in November as the federal Thanksgiving Day holiday, and the law went into effect in 1942. State and federal holidays are a nation's way of declaring what we value by mandating a pause in our regular routines, shutting down for a day or so and giving people a chance to celebrate or commemorate or quietly contemplate something which the majority of the country thinks is important. At the height, Drift Class also goes way back. You're getting your full dollar value value. in history here Uh because it's cold out. (laughs) Yeah. And Drift Class goes all the way back to 165 AD in this Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So at the height of the Roman Empire in 165 AD, the number of festival days, imperial birthdays, and other labor-optional days had reached 135 per year. So basically, one out of every three days you could take off. Yeah, great. We here in the land of the free have 11 federal holidays, which have been codified by law under 5 U.S.C. number 6103. But if you work in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, you actually have 12 recognized holidays. Can you guess what the extra day is? And I got it wrong, Drift Glass. No Googling. No Googling. Of course, we can't enforce that. So, you know. We will tell you in a moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, The actual nationwide federal holidays are New Year's Day, Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, Washington's birthday, and that's also President's Day, Mm -hmm. Washington Lincoln. Memorial Day, Juneteenth, Independence Day, Labor Day, Columbus Day, which is also Indigenous Peoples Day these days, Uh, Veterans Day, Thanksgiving Day, and Christmas Day. And the fun fact is the extra day in the District of Columbia is Inauguration Day, which happens once every four years, unless Trump is reelected and then it's never... (laughs) Then <laughs> all that's over. But then we're going to get 135 holidays. No, that's, you know? we'll go back to the Roman Emperor's Day. Sure. Okay. Right. End of the Republic. Got to have uh, a holiday. The, in Illinois, Cook County government offices, the Chicago Public Library, and statewide public and private schools are also closed on Pulaski Day. Yeah. Which celebrates the contributions of Casimir Pulaski to the American Revolution. Can you guess why? I know why, Drift Glass. <laughs> yeah, we love Pulaski It has Pulaski to do with Day. the number of Polish people in Chicago. It has nothing but that. It is yep. uh, outside of Warsaw, at least back when the holiday was struck, there are more uh, Poles, uh, uh, na- uh, native people original. People of Polish descent. Uh, yes. Living in Chicago than any place else in the world. And in the, Chicago. The, but in Chicago. And here in Springfield, we got Pulaski Day off as a holiday. That's right. It, for it's, school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a a school holiday even down here in Springfield. Mm -hmm. In some states, Good Friday is a holiday. In others, it isn't. Juneteenth, National Freedom Day, also known as Emancipation Day, is a federal holiday. It's the newest one. Mm -hmm. It is also a holiday in some states. However, private businesses are not required to either, one, allow workers to take the day off, or two, pay workers for not working on Juneteenth. 
but I guess they can have Juneteenth sales like you know, on mattresses. Well, yeah, and that's capitalism. Totally money. inappropriate things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, General Election Day, sadly, is not yet a federal holiday, but it is a holiday in some states. Also, some states require employers to provide either paid or unpaid leave for employees to vote on election days. Mm-hmm. So when it came time to honor Martin Luther King Jr. with a national holiday, there was a struggle. And the struggle and the resistance against doing it were, was revealing. It was, there was a very real struggle, a very real fight. And the who picked up which side and what they fought over was very revealing. First, Illinois, this very state here, Pulaski Day State was the first state to honor Martin Luther King Jr. with a holiday in 1973. Now, this represents a whole bunch of improvement from 1966 when Dr. King commented, quote, I've been in many demonstrations all across the South, but I can say that I have never seen, even in Mississippi and Alabama, mobs as hostile and hate-filled as I'm seeing in Chicago, unquote. Yeah, the, the bungalow belt in Chicago. Well, just go back to the Harold Washington podcast we've done and the reaction to white ethnics in Chicago to a black mayoral candidate, you know, tells you a whole bunch that we'd rather not know, uh, but we do know about Chicago. This is also from Rod Serling, roughly the same time, quote, in his grave, we praised him for his decency, but when he walked among us, we responded with no decency of our own. Martin Luther King asked for nothing but that which was his due. He asked only for equality, and it is that which we denied him, unquote. Now, the last state to honor King with a state holiday was South Carolina. And I will tell you from American history classes that I took in undergraduate school, South Carolina is the last state to do lots of things. Are there any candidates for um, president in the race from South Carolina? Nikki Haley. Oh, that's right. Nikki Haley. She's from South Carolina. Yeah. Who declared just this week that the United States has never been a racist country. Never been racist. No. Mm -hmm. Uh, South Carolina Governor Jim Hodges signed a bill on May 2nd, 2000, officially establishing King's birthday as a state holiday. This made South Carolina the final state to recognize the day as a paid holiday for all state employees. Prior to the bill, employees had to choose between observing Martin Luther King Jr. Day or they could choose, get this, one of three Confederate holidays. You know, I tell you, Blue Gal. I don't know. I tell you. You know? South Carolina, I don't know. South Carolina, I don't know. Now, as far as the federal law goes, some of you remember Senator Jesse Helms, right? And what an asshole he was. Well, Senators Helms and John Porter East, both of North Carolina, who were both Republicans, opposed the holiday, questioning King's significance and accusing him of having ties with communists because they never learn anything new. That's oh, always they had the J. Edgar Hoover's file yeah. on king being calling him a communist but they didn't have everybody else's file on j edgar hoover (laughs) and you know so they've been calling leftists communists and liberals communists and and good civil rights workers communists absolutely anyone who believes in equal rights for the races is a communist yes yes now helms specifically criticized king for his opposition to the vietnam war Mm -hmm. accused him of promoting quote action-oriented marxism which was one of the great G.I. Joe action play sets you could get when I was a kid. Um, Helms led a filibuster because he was a giant racist asshole against the bill. And on October 3rd, 1983, 
He submitted a 300-page document to the Senate alleging King's associations with communists. Now, J. Edgar Hoover. You get, I yep. guarantee you those 300 pages. We're straight out of Hoover's. Yeah, straight you know, out of Hoover. Pile. Yep. Democratic Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan of New York strongly condemned Helms's document, calling it a packet of filth and throwing it on the Senate floor and stomping on it. So, you know, these were the good old days when everybody got along. <laughs> yeah, when the parties got along and everything it wasn't so was divisive. fine. Things were, sure. things were, we weren't so divided as a nation. Why do we have to be so divisive and divided? Now, uh, the good people at Wikipedia remind us that although Ronald Reagan originally opposed the holiday, originally, I'm sorry, originally opposed the holiday, under pressure from the bill having passed with veto-proof majorities in both houses. <laughs> That's pressure, all right. Yeah. Can't. Nothing you could do. Might as well sign it. Might as on well November sign 2nd, it and make, make it your idea all along. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's a wonderful idea. Nancy and I both, you know. Uh, and I, I just will cut myself off there before I say something I'm going to regret. Uh, so on November 2nd, 1983, Reagan signed a bill into law proposed by Representative Katie Hall of Indiana, to create a federal holiday honoring King. The final vote in both houses won't surprise you. In the House of Representatives, the vote was 338 to 90. Uh, this was divided between Democrats and Republicans as follows. 242 to 4 among Democrats and 89 to 77 among Republicans. Hey, I see a trend here. With five <laughs> members voting present or abstaining. And the final vote in the Senate was 78 to 22, divided along party lines as follows. 44 to 4 in the Senate Democratic Caucus and 37 to 18 in the Senate Republican Conference. Again, I'm going to correct you there, Drift Class. It was 41 to 4 in I'm the sorry, Senate 41 Democratic to 4. Caucus. I apologize. Yeah. You're correct, Blue Gal. I got my math wrong. Uh, but you can see the trend here, can't you? Yes. One mm -hmm. of the most notable pitched battles against observing Martin Luther King Jr. Day as a state holiday took place in Arizona. This is from Fox 10 Phoenix in 2022. Uh, Arizona was, now this is a technicality because we talked about South Carolina. Right. Um, but Arizona was at long last, after several tries, mm -hmm. the last state to make Martin Luther King Jr. Day a state holiday. Government offices in Arizona are closed on January 15th, 2024, as a result of Martin Luther King Jr. Day a holiday that was established to honor the late civil rights icon. So notice this article is from 2022 mm -hmm. because now they're going to close it in 2024. Mm -hmm. However, Martin Luther King Jr. Day wasn't always a state holiday for Arizona, and the state even attracted some level of controversy. There's that word again. Mm -hmm. Say controversy again. Yeah. For its handling of the issue. According to the Arizona State Library, Governor Bruce Babbitt declared Martin Luther King Jr. Day an Arizona holiday in March 1986. So that right. is before South Carolina. So we're done. And it's we're done. done right? We can move on. That's it. We're over, right. right? This came after the state legislature failed by one vote to send Governor Babbitt a bill that would have made Martin Luther King Jr. Day a state holiday. So the governor just did it. So he was a tyrant. He was a tyrant <laughs> is what he was. Exactly. So... The holiday was canceled by Governor Evan Meacham in 1987. The Associated Press reported at the time that Meacham had made it clear during his campaign for governor that he would rescind the holiday, even as 40 states had already followed the U.S. government's lead by then. Mm -hmm. The AP reported that Governor Meacham called Governor Babbitt's executive order to create the holiday illegal, unquote. Mm -hmm. Damn Yankees, damn interfering Yankees. 
Uh, some things we, you and I, Blue Gal, did not know about Evan Meacham until we started doing research for this episode include, before being elected governor, his nickname was the Harold Stassen of Arizona. Now, if you don't know who Harold Stassen was, Stassen was the guy who ran for the Republican nomination for president and lost in 1948 and 1952 and 1964 and 68 and 1976 and 1980 and 1984 and 1988, and finally, in 1992. Meacham ran for governor five times and finally won in 1986 with the support of the Mormon Church and, wait for it, wait for it, the John Birch Society, of which he was a proud member. Meacham was swamped by, and here comes that word again, controversy. Say controversy again. Say it one more time. Almost immediately after his inauguration and became the first U.S. governor to simultaneously face removal from office through impeachment, a scheduled recall election, and a felony indictment for mishandling of state funds and obstruction of justice. He was the first and only Arizona governor to be impeached, as well as one of only 15 U.S. governors to be impeached throughout the country. Yeah, a proud day for Arizona. So, you know, he had Mm -hmm. issues. Yeah, yeah. I I have family living in Arizona, and it was pretty much... Let's not talk about what's going on with your governor, okay? Well, I mean, and like like we in Illinois should talk. Yeah, we we had we've had a few go to jail. We had a Republican and a Democrat go to jail back to back, which is yeah, yeah. which is going so, some. But you know, not exactly a proud day for Arizona. So, how did Martin Luther King Jr. Day finally become a state holiday in Arizona? Well, it was through the two great forces that have shaped so much of American history: <laughs> yep. patriot patriotism and love of country. No. Public shaming and economic pressure. That's uh-huh. what did the job. That's what did the trick. Then Senate Minority Leader Alan Stevens, a Democrat, called Meacham's action a major embarrassment to the state, adding that it places Arizona among the lower 10 of the states that have not enacted a holiday. So you got that coming from the Democratic Senate Minority Leader. This is from a group calling themselves Arizonans for a Martin Luther King Jr. state holiday. Quote, The rescinding of the King holiday is a sad day for our country and Arizona, unquote, and it surely was. This is from a Tucson high school student that made its way all the way into the paper. Quote, in my opinion, it was a very racist thing to do. With all due respect, you are a bigot. With all due respect, you are a bigot. I love that. It's it's got, we need to put that on a bumper sticker like yesterday. (laughs) Um, Business conferences scheduled for Arizona began to be canceled. Stevie Wonder. Announced a boycott of the state. Oh, man. Now now it's becoming South Africa, right? right? Jesse Jackson announced a cancellation of a trip to Arizona. And right around this time was when people began to worry about the, quote, snowballing effect, unquote, this could have on, wait for it, Arizona tourism, yep. which was the state's second largest industry and employed an estimated 200,000 people at the time. Two separate bill. Uh, I'm sorry, two separate ballot measures for Martin Luther King Jr. Day holiday made it onto the 1990 state ballot. Both failed, which led to another round of boycotts. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then came the matter of the Super Bowl. <laughs> they dropped the now, big one, Blue Gal. They dropped the big one. All of a sudden, the bigots are going to have an issue. Yeah. Because Super Bowl is Super Bowl. After both holiday votes failed, the NFL stripped the Phoenix area of its rights to host the 1993 Super Bowl and gave the hosting rights to Los Angeles. (laughs) Quote, I sympathize with the people in Phoenix. I really do. 
said woke art model, total woke person, uh-huh. who owned the Cleveland Browns at the time. But I don't see how we had any choice, unquote. And they didn't because mm-hmm. all of their players were black. The star players in the Super Bowl were black men. Mm-hmm. According to an AP article at the time, Arizona was tentatively awarded the 1996 Super Bowl with the condition the state pass a referendum on making Martin Luther King Jr. Day a state holiday. Now it's the carrot as well as the stick. Uh huh. Documents on the Arizona Secretary of State's website say that a ballot measure to create a Martin Luther King Jr. Day state holiday while combining the Lincoln and Washington Day holidays into President's Day, made it onto the November 1992 ballot as Prop 300, and yes, that measure was passed by the voters. Mm -hmm. By the time Prop 300 passed, it was noted on the Pima County Public Library website that Arizona was indeed the last state in the country to formally install a permanent Martin Luther King Day Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day holiday. Which brings us to this very year. And we have Mr. Charlie Kirk, who is the spiritual successor in every way to Jesse Helms, attempting to turn back time. This is what he tweeted on Martin Luther King Jr. Day in this year of our Lord 2024. Quote, who was MLK? A myth has been created and has grown totally out of control. While he was alive, most people disliked him. Yeah, because they were bigots. Yet today, he is the most honored, worshipped, and even deified person of the 20th century. Today, we're going to tell the truth and explain how this myth was born. Happy Monday, unquote. And this past weekend, Wired Magazine published an article by William Turton, How Charlie Kirk Plans to Discredit Martin Luther King Jr. and the Civil Rights Act. Quote, we're going to be hitting him next week. They're going to be hitting Martin Luther King Jr. (laughs) Kirk said on his podcast, yeah, on the day of the Iowa caucus, it's MLK Day. We're going to do the thing you're not supposed to do. We're going to tell the truth about MLK Jr. You better tune in next week. Blake has already been preparing. It's going to be great. Blake is an apparent reference to Blake Neff, a producer of the Charlie Kirk Show. In 2020, Neff resigned from his job at Fox News as Tucker Carlson's top writer after CNN revealed he had been making racist posts under a pseudonym on social media. Fox News CEO Suzanne Scott called Neff's posts abhorrent. Imagine being too racist for Fox and Tucker Carlson. Uh, Jesus. Yep. Blake Neff has also been publicly laying the groundwork for rewriting the history on King, attempting to link him to violent unrest after the passing of the Civil Rights Act. Martin Luther King Jr. gets praised for being a peaceful activist, Neff said, and try not to laugh here, on Jack Posobiec's Human Events Daily podcast. Yeah. So, you know, the (sighs) bottom of the sewer, really, the bottom of the sewer. This is just absolute sewage. But what they always end up glossing over is actually in the mid-60s and late-60s, civil rights activism becomes a very violent thing, unquote. Apparently, these white boys at Turning Point USA and Jack Prosobiec's Human Events podcast are going to, you know, gloss over 
the white violence that shot Martin Luther King Jr. to death in a motel parking lot in Memphis, Tennessee in 1968. And yes, there were riots after that throughout the country. Yes, there were. Because a white person, a white racist shot him to death. Yeah. Yeah. But by pretending to be hyper honest, oh, we're going to be really hyper honest about King, Charlie Kirk and his ilk actually undo the glossing that the right has been doing about King ever since his death. That King was simply about nonviolence and content of our character and not about equal housing in Chicago and recognition of janitors unions in Tennessee Mm -hmm. and fighting white racism. Yep. No, he just wanted content of her character and his children and have a dream and that's it. And we, we can love him because he didn't challenge anything we believe in as racist. Right. Never judge anybody by about anything and don't try to change anything. That was his motto. I that mean, was his motto. No well change. Known. No right. change ever of any kind. Yeah. No, that's the glossing over. Martin Luther King was a radical Christian and a radical American who wanted both Christians and Americans to live up to their stated creeds. Mm-hmm. And Charlie Kirk, I'm, I'm going to say it, Drift Glass, mm-hmm. he really isn't man enough to deal with that. No, he's a, he's a little boy. He's a he's child. A teeny peeny boy, yes. And, and his entire media empire consists of lighting bags of dog poop and putting on the porches of respectable people and right. running away and collecting enormous paychecks. Because yep. if you are not familiar with the work of Mr. Charlie Kirk, he is an American conservative activist and Roy, a radio talk show host. He founded Turning Point USA with Bill Montgomery in 2012 and has served as its executive director ever since. He's the CEO of Turning Point America, Students for Trump, and Turning Point Academy, Turning Point Faith, president of Turning Point Endowment, and has written four terrible, terrible books. And in case you didn't know, there is a whole bunch of money to be made peddling this racist garbage to morons. Well, Kirk's- and his, his ability to convince billionaires that he's going to get young people to join the conservative cause. Right, right. They're going to come right in. It's his secret. And so people are rich, you know, right-wing racist assholes are more than willing to throw a lot of money at Charlie Kirk because he's promising to bring young people into the, to create a future for For conservative politics. Yeah. Yeah. Even here in Springfield, but I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, Kirk's net worth is estimated to be around $27 million, which is about $27 million more than our net worth, Blue Gal. Right. Um, he draws an annual salary of nine hundred k from Turning Point USA, 700000 a year from Spotify, somewhere in the neighborhood of $4 million a year for his radio gig, and about a million or so in royalties for his terrible, terrible books. And as I mentioned, for the record, back in April of 2022, I wrote a whole long thing about this. Charlie Kirk was paid $30,000 plus expenses by our very own County Republican Party, the Sangamon County Republican Party, to come here to Springfield for their annual Lincoln Day dinner and spew this toxic bullshit for about an hour or so. Because out here in the middle of middle America, where the real Republican Party lives, they love this kind of filth and they will pay real money to stand in its presence and soak it all in. Yeah, because he's a celebrity. On the right. You ever wonder why we understand the GOP so much better than the pundits do 
and the Republican elites do, and conservative elites do. Because we live next door to them. Because we live among them. We don't yeah. live in D.C. and New York in a bubble and only talk to people on the Acela Corridor. Although national holidays, let's get back to the overarching theme here. Yes. Um, national holidays are ultimately a creation of political maneuvering and economic calculation. That's just true. Yeah. Um, but they also tell us a lot about what a nation values. And those values often come to be memorialized because of a painful conflict. The birth of the nation through armed revolution and also, let's face it, displacing native peoples. Uh-huh. The end of a war, the sacrifice of soldiers, and in the case of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, our ongoing national struggle to atone for our original sin of slavery, our continued sin of Jim Crow, and the continuing struggle to live up to the ideals on which our country was founded. And I do want to go back to um, that quote by uh, that you mentioned. Rod Serling? Rod Serling. Yeah, I yeah. want to go back to that. Mm -hmm. uh, in his grave, we praise him for his decency, but when he walked among us, we responded with no decency of our own. Yeah. This, this Charlie Kirk idea, did you know that people hated Martin Luther King while he was alive? Yeah. Yes, we did. <laughs> he was... He was suggesting that black people have an equal right to equal housing. Yeah. Hated and that he shit. was, he was planting black people in Chicago mm -hmm. and having them walk into real estate offices and ask for an apartment and be turned down and then have a white couple go in and get it, mm -hmm. get that apartment the same day and calling them out for it and saying, mm -hmm. you are discriminating against black people and white people didn't like that. No, they were terrified of him. They yeah. were they were furious that he got the Nobel Prize. Yep. Furious that this yep. this uppity black uppity. man, how dare he? How dare he pretend to represent Jesus? And they they yeah. despised him. They loathed him. They prayed for his death. They called him all kinds of names that I'm not going to talk about on this podcast, but it yeah. was very common and very understood that this person had no business coming down there and telling people or how to live. Or coming up here. Or, or coming, coming up here, here to Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Telling people how to live. Telling people inequality is unacceptable. Racism is unacceptable. Denying people voting rights is unacceptable. And, you know, the last thing he was going to work on before he was murdered was the poor people's campaign. Yep. Yep. So, you know, it's not um, a big mystery as to why he was hated by certain people during that period. And it's not a big mystery why people got very violent after he was assassinated by white assholes who, right. who decided they couldn't tolerate him anymore. And well, he, had he knew. To go. I mean, he, how many threats to his life had he heard yeah. over the course of his ministry? Well, his last speech was about. So that, that last speech about, I may not make it with you. Yeah. I mean, I get He there knew with how many people were out to get him. Yeah. It was not, not a mystery. Not a mystery yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, now, there's an awkward segue we have to do because this is a podcast. So I'm just going to say. Don't forget that we really do need more Patreons to make this thing fly. So if you can spare five bucks, please spare five bucks and visit our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash ProLeftPod. And we really do thank you very much for doing that. And segueing back again to Martin Luther King, mm -hmm. we're going to, before we go, play a clip of Youngest Child way, way back over a decade ago when she mm -hmm. was a second grader and her school report on Martin Luther King. We hope you enjoy it, and we'll mm -hmm. see you next time. See you next time. 
Martin Luther King had four children. He had a dream. That means he had a vision that when his four children grew up, a white person wouldn't say that I can't play with you because you're black. They would say, oh, come on, play with me. Um, so that's what vision he had. And if you had to go to the bathroom and it says white only, brown people can't go to that bathroom. Martin Luther King made a big change. If you had a friend that was black and you liked them as a friend, then back in the olden days when Martin Luther King was still alive, you couldn't play with that friend because some people were this word, but I hate to say this word. Some people were stupid because they didn't, they thought that you couldn't play with other people. It's not really on the outside, it's really in the inside. The person, so. It's not in the outside, it's in the inside. That's what I wanted to talk about today. I hope you like that. The Professional F Podcast No Fair Remembering Stuff Tuesday edition is recorded under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2024-25 DGBG Productions.